that you're asking, and this is the question I need to ask before I spend time uh, talking about something. God's been forming a new community of believers here in Milton. Uh, This is not new. He's always forming a new community of believers. We just happen to be a part of that new formation. And uh, and so God's been doing that, it seems like. And if you've been around Southside, uniquely at least here, that's been also happening. And uh, and I want to say that's happening across the town. It's built on a strong foundation, this new community that God is forming in and around Milton called the church, and particularly here at Southside. And our story here at Southside is, is, a, is an interesting story where it's kind of a, it's, 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 it's a relatively fresh expression of a long-standing church, and it's kind of a combination of people who have worshipped together for a long time in the past and people who are brand new to like pursuing Jesus and, and learning about this Christian faith thing. And, and then it's also a combination of people who are moving in from other towns and other cities away from Toronto, away from Mississauga. Mississauga is the big city now that you move away from. Isn't that wild? It's like, let's get out of Mississauga and go to Milton because Mississauga used to be the place you got out of Toronto to get to. And now it's Now it's a big city. And so people are collecting here from all over the place, all over the world, as well as all over the GTA, and uh, and, and looking for faith communities, looking for a place to to exercise their faith, to work that out, to explore it, to grow in it, to uh, to understand it, maybe to question it. And and they're finding you, and they're finding me. I hope so. And so um, that seems to be what's happening. And uh, like I said, that's not just something that's happening uniquely at Southside. It's happening across the church in Milton. Uh, Milton is growing by a lot, if you haven't noticed. And it will continue to grow by a lot, if if you don't notice. And so uh, this is a trend that probably will continue for the rest of my lifetime, uh, as long as I'm serving here in Milton as 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 a spiritual leader or a Christian leader. And, and so we need, to, uh, we need to adapt to that. And that's why we need to ask the question, why are we doing this at all? What is the church? And we need to come back to that so we make sure we're, we're on the same page about what God is doing. Um, at Southside, our focus has been and will continue to be on discipleship to Jesus. And, and this is not unique, again, to Southside. This is, this is, there's, I think there's something that God's doing uh, as I'm talking to different Christian leaders and pastors across this town that there tends to be, there seems to be this kind of rediscovering of, of Jesus and the person of Jesus and the presence of Jesus and this kind of this reorientation back on the primary things, which is spending time with Jesus and developing a relationship with him, which, which has always been the mandate of the church and probably the vision and the call of most churches, except for sometimes we just get busy with really cool ideas or, or new projects or whatever or, or interesting ways of thinking of things. And, and so it seems to be a season where God's kind of bringing us back to refocus on the primary things, which for one is the person of Jesus and two is how do we experience his real presence? If, if Jesus is not just the Jesus of history, but Jesus is actually a Jesus that is uh, accessible to you and I today and his very being and his presence is available and accessible to us, which is what Christians have believed for 2,000 years, then what does it look like to experience the presence of God? What does it look like to grow from the presence of God? What, what is the presence of God like? And then what, what happens to us when we're in that space? And, and what does it mean to, to experience that? And, and can we even do that? And, and so we're kind of refocusing on on that as a church. Pastor Ian, he talked last week about kairos and chronos, and those are kind of two different words in the New Testament for um, time. And chronos is the word that we get the word chronology from. And so the idea that Pastor Ian talked about last week was that there's the idea that time is linear, right? And, and so you, you're talking about dates and, uh, and, and things that kind of happen in the past and happen in the future. And so using time in that way as a reference to a linear timeline 
And uh, that's usually when we use the language of time, that's what we're referring to. What time is it? Are we early? Are we late? But then there's also the word kairos. And kairos, Pastor Ian was teaching us, is, is really about kind of the significance or the quality of a moment. And, uh, and the New Testament kind of uses both back and forth. If you don't know what it's referring to, you may read time or you re- read something that makes you think about something that's supposed to happen in a future or in the past, but in reality, it's actually talking about a quality of something, a moment or an experience or, or, the, or, a, or, or a significance, not just of the event in a time frame, but actually of, of meaning to you. That's kind of the, the language. And so um, we've, been, we've been trying to process ourselves as a church, like what moment in time are we, not just 2024 in Milton, but, but what is the significance of this moment? And, and for you, the hope is that you're also constantly processing like, okay, I, I spend time doing this every day. I spend time doing this every week. I, I have this calendar. I have these rhythms. I have these routines. I have these practices. I'm living this hamster wheel of life. But, but the invitation that Pastor Ian gave us last week, and we're going to continue to invite one another into is, um, what about each of those moments is changing you, is forming you, is are you attentive to? Are we just reacting to uh, the, 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 the tyranny of time, linearly, or are we stopping to, to be present to moments so that they have significance and meaning to us, right? And that's where we get the, um, the, the practices from. We've been talking about this a lot at Southside, and we'll continue to Uh, The spiritual disciplines, the spiritual practices, we spent like a year and a half talking about Sabbath and prayer and fasting, and we're going to be talking about all sorts more. What they are is there are things to put in your calendar, chronos, your timeline. They're they're, they're set apart times, but they're not just set apart as like uh, an an event in your calendar. They're, they're, They're meant to be moments and experiences and practices and rhythms that orient your mind and your attention in a certain direction for that period of time. So that you're not just experiencing time as it's happening to you, but you're actually present in moments and changed by those moments. And like we would say, we believe here at Southside that those moments that we are present to the reality of God's presence in our life, and we're, and we're attentive to the kind of things that God would be saying to us, and what he would be calling us to, and what he would be inviting us to, then when we live from that, things start to change. Our life starts to change. We start to have impact in the world around us. It takes setting the, side, the time aside in our calendars, but, it, but more than that, it takes being attentive to and aware of and, and an orientation of the mind in a particular direction so that we can be changed by those moments. And we believe in those moments. If we're attentive towards Jesus, Jesus speaks to us and he calls us and he nudges us and he moves us and he, and he convicts us and he encourages us. And those are the moments that actually really change us and form us and have an impact on our life. So that's what we are. That's where we're heading. That's what we're doing. That's what we're processing. That's what we're talking about. And then, like I said, particularly over the next few weeks here at, in this gathering on Sunday mornings, we're just going to highlight um, what's been happening in the past and where we're heading in the future as, as this kind of unique group that God has called us to be a part of, if he has. Uh, this morning, what I want to address is a couple things. Just the church. What is the church? I ask the question, what is the church? And the assumption isn't that we all understand that, that we're all on the same page. My assumption isn't even that I fully understand it, but I hope I understand it enough because I lead it or lead a part of it or I'm a part of a part of it and I lead this thing called Southside. So my hope is that I understand it and my hope is that you understand what the church 
is the nature of the church in the New Testament from Jesus and from the writers, the apostles, particularly Apostle Paul. We're going to highlight a couple texts this morning. There's so much more to go into. We're not going to be exhaustive about it so that we can be like, okay, this is what the church is. Then we're going to ask the question, what is the purpose of that? What is the purpose of that community? What is the purpose of that thing called the church? And then we're just going to talk about a couple of the functions of it. And the hope is by the end of today, you are going, okay, that's right. This is what the church is. And oh, that's right. This is what we're about doing. And oh, how we go about doing that can look a million different ways, but we're to go about doing that particular thing. Is that fair? What is the church? The church is a people, not a place. The church is a people, not a place. I, um, I get annoyed at people who like go, you're not going to church. You are the church. Like, okay, fine. But we are also going to church. Like, it's okay. We can say we're coming to church. You came to church this morning. Is that okay? We can say that. You can say that you're going to church. You can tell your friends that you go to church. You can, you can say that's my church. It's okay. Okay, we can all like, we all understand this. But, but the reality is, guys, that the church is not a place. The church is a people. And if you've shown up here to Southside thinking you came to church, you did come to church, but you didn't come to a building that is the church, and you didn't come to an event on a weekly basis that Sunday morning worship that is church. You actually came to be with the church. That's what you came. You came to the gathering that is called the church, where the people who make up the church are hanging out on a weekly basis. There's a lot of other places we hang out, but this is one of them. In Matthew chapter 16, 17 to 20, I'm just going to read this for us. This is Jesus talking to one of his best friends, Peter, and this is what he says. He says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by the flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I'll tell you that you, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is this iconic moment in the Gospels where Jesus says to Peter, it's on you that I will build my church. And this, you have to think of, is in contrast to what they would have seen as or thought of as the church, which would have been the temple. They would have seen a temple, the second temple, they live in the second temple period, they would have seen this giant temple where the Jews believed God's presence dwelt, and they would have seen that on a rock, still there, well, the place is still there today, you can visit it in the Holy Land, the temple, of course, isn't, but there's a place, and it was a rock, it was a building, and their reference point to the place where God dwelt, the temple the church was that. And Jesus radically says to Peter, it's on you. The word Peter, the name Peter means rock. It's on you, the rock. You're the one whom I will build my church on. In contrast to a place, a physical place, a physical rock. This is what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is so radical here. What he's saying is the place where I will dwell is no longer in a building on a rock. It's actually in a people, starting with you. The word church here, ecclesia, is gathering or assembly. It's um, the, the idea with the gathering or the assembly is, 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 is where get, people are gathered together for the primary purpose of being the, pres- or being the church, being the gathered people of God. That is what we call the church. And like I said, the meaning 
in a life of a Jew was so much more significant than I think we understand it. The place where God's very presence dwelt used to be in the temple is where the Ark of the Covenant existed in the Holy of Holies. We talked about this a few weeks ago. And in a Jewish framework and a mindset, you had the temple, but then you also had the, the Holy of Holies within it, the most holy place. And it was believed that the very presence of God dwelt on the top of the Ark of the Covenant, the, the, the lid of the Ark of the Covenant between those two cherubim wings. If you know your Bible history, you know what I'm talking about. It was believed that right there in the center of that, that's where God's presence, the very real presence of God used to dwell. And then what Jesus says is that's no longer there. That's on you. That's in you. And then the Apostle Paul, he backs this up. He says in Ephesians chapter 2, 19 to 22, he says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation, hear the building language here. The foundation, any, any contractors in the room, you understand this. The, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together, and it rises to become the holy temple of the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So the church is not a place. The church is a people. And the church is not just a random assembly of random people. It's a particular gathering of a particular people. It's a gathering of those who are in Christ. Those who follow Christ. Those who identify with Christ as the chief cornerstone, as the Savior, as the King, as the Messiah. And the teaching here is that within and among that gathered people, the very Spirit of God dwells. We sang this morning about the Spirit of God dwelling in our midst. And if, you're a, if you believe in Christian theology and doctrine, you believe that that is actually true in reality. That the presence of the Spirit of God is in our midst in some way. In Matthew 18, 20, it says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. It's the same idea. And in 1 Corinthians 3.17, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. You and I are the temple. So what is the church? The church is not a place, it's a people. And particularly, what kind of, what, what's the nature of that people? At least according to the New Testament, the nature of that people is the people that when they are gathered, the presence of God is among them. The presence of God is among them. It's where the Spirit of God dwells. Well, for what purpose then? If this is true, then what's the purpose of being a gathered people where the presence of God dwells? The answer to that is that our primary purpose of the church is to be the very presence of God on earth. Israel's vocation, if you know your Old Testament, was that they were to represent God on earth. That's what, the, that's what the Genesis story is all about. It's about appointing a people who represent God's rule and reign on earth. And that rule and that reign was supposed to be a rule and a reign of love and of justice and of goodness and of charity and of kindness and of mercy and of righteousness. That's what the reign was supposed to be. And the people of God, Israel, were chosen to be that. That was their vocation. That was their calling. That was their responsibility. Yet they failed at that. 
To be the church is to be the loving rule of Yahweh, of God, on earth. That's why we gather. We are the church, and our purpose of existence is to live out the way God would literally live out life here on earth as he does in heaven. It starts in our lives personally. For Israel, it started in their lives personally by following the law. As a nation, they were collectively responsible. When one of them sinned, all of them sinned. And then from there, their calling and their responsibility was not just to be, to experience the light of God, was not just to um, rule amongst one another as though God was ruling through them, was actually to rule the world through Israel. That, God's intention was always that Israel was the light on the hill. They're supposed to be the, um, the representative of God's reign and rule on earth. They're supposed to rule with love and mercy and righteousness and goodness and justice. The problem is, they kept, like I said, they kept getting off track of that. But that was, his, that was God's intention with Israel. And what the Messiah did is the Messiah fulfilled that vocation. The New Testament is all about how Jesus actually fulfills the vocation that Israel couldn't fulfill. And therefore, all who are in Christ now have that responsibility, purpose, vocation. To reign and rule in our lives, in our families' lives, in our church, in our community, and in the broader community as representatives of God's loving rule on earth. We are to be and become God's mercy. We are to be and become God's affirmation. We are to be and become God's encouraging, gentle, loving voice. We are to be and become the order that God would bring to the world. We are to be and become God's kindness. We are to be and become God's loving correction. We are to be and become God's forgiveness. That's, what we're, that's why we gather, that's who we are, that is our identity, that is our purpose, to be and become God's loving rule and reign amongst one another. So you, follower of Jesus, who identify as a follower of Jesus, just like me, your presence in this community called the local church, <clears throat> when you are formed in Christ, <clears throat> by Christ, and you live as an image bearer of God, you in a very real way embody Jesus' presence to us. And I want you to get that. You this morning who are here, if you raise your hand and you say, I follow Jesus, that's I'm a Christian. If you identify as a Christian, a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, you in a real way embody the call of God the character of God, the goodness of God, the attributes of God to the person that you're sitting next to and across from. That's at least your vocation. Now, if you're here this morning and you're like, I'm not sure about all that, that's all right. <laughs> this is not on you. you. You don't even know that. You're not even sure about the Jesus thing. But it's for those of us who are. We're in this room right now. Our, our primary vocation is to embody the mercy, the forgiveness, the love, the reconciliation of God himself. We embody the presence of Jesus amongst us. And this is why your words have power. This is why your words and your actions have so much power. And we often take that pretty lightly. 
But the reality is that our words have power because if you're following Jesus, if you identify as a follower of Jesus, then, then I'm looking at you and I'm expecting that what's going to come from you is, is, is something like what would be coming from Jesus. And when it's not, it's painful, it's hurtful. I'm expecting that, that there's a part of you that's wanting to grow in the likeness of Christ. And, and so my expectation is different from you than it is from everyone I interact with on the street because my assumption is that you are looking to follow the ways of Jesus, speak the ways of Jesus, live the ways of Jesus, have the character of God. And, and so our expectations are higher of one another because we're looking at one another going, you're, you're called to embody the presence of God in this community in the way I am. You're, you're called to treat me as though God would be treating me that way. How would God treat me? I'm expecting you to do that. And hey, the responsibility is on me. The weight of the responsibility is on me. I'm, if I'm a follower of Jesus, then you should. Of course, there's the caveat of grace and mercy. We're all sinners. We're all failures. Ah, yeah, we all know that, but there should be some expectation that you have on me that I'm going to offer you something more like Jesus than what somebody who doesn't follow Jesus is offering you. That's why our words have so much power. It's why gossip and slander are so deadly in a church. They're so deadly in the body. It's because we're desperate, we're looking at each other going like, I'm looking for some love here, man. I'm looking for some encouragement. I'm looking for you to, to, to speak to me the way God wants to speak to me. I'm looking for you to, to say what God would say to me. I need that from you. I'm looking for you to lend the hand and serve me the way that Jesus, our Messiah, would serve me. And, and when we don't get that from one another, it's, it's painful. It hurts. We, we're missing out on the rule and reign of the loving presence of God in and through the body. It's why what we do with our time and our resources is not just up to us to decide. I know we live in this hyper-individualist society, but the reality is like what I choose to do with my time and my family and my resources and my energy, what I choose to do with that either is in the direction of being God's loving presence in this community and to the community, or it's not. It's in the direction of building up my empire and creating more comfort and pleasure for myself. That's why. And we, and we constantly are choosing how we use our time, our energy, our resources. And when it's used in the direction of building up one another, building up this body, then we are becoming the very reign and rule of Christ to one another. That's why. That's the purpose of the church. So we are gathered people, but we're gathered people to become the presence of the living God to one another for his presence to to be through us to one another. So Paul, Apostle Paul talks very clearly. It's really confusing. It's like, it's not I, but Christ in me, right? And it's like, okay, but is it you? Did you decide that? It's like, no, it's not I, but Christ in me. It's it's not I, but Christ in me. It's like, what does that even mean? I think it means something like what we're saying. It's Christ formed in you is literally in in, in a unique way, the spirit of God through you to me. Now, what would that look like? We'll talk about that in future weeks. But we've talked a little bit about it. It'd probably look a lot like what the Messiah looks like. Probably look a lot like the lifestyle and the character and the decisions that, that Jesus himself made. That's why we look to that as our example. So the church is not a people, it's a place. And the church exists to possess and to leak the loving presence of God on earth. It's our calling, it's our vocation. And then how do we do this? It's kind of like the functions of the church. We just, 
These are obvious in some sense, and they're also taught scripture. I won't give you a reference for every single one of them, but you can look them up. We'll talk about it in the future if you want. What are some of the functions of the church? The reason we teach scriptures on Sunday, throughout the week, in our communities, in prayer to one another, in side conversations, the reason why the scriptures are so helpful to us, important to us, is because we have the very example of a life of Christ that we are to emulate, that we are to model, that we are to become to one another. So we teach scriptures to one another so that we learn what the gospel and the good news is and we learn how to live in light of that. We also teach it to uh, measure when we're, not, when, we're, when we're missing the mark. We, we use scripture to, to, to be a measuring stick for when we're, when we're off track, when we're not living the reign and rule of Christ towards one another for correction, for rebuke. We pray. It's one of the functions of the church is to pray. We pray individually, but we pray together. And particularly, we're praying for God's kingdom to come. In celebration and in lament, we pray. One of my favorite theologians, he says, the kingdom of God is literally being built. God's building it through you when you pray. In season and out of season, when things are great, when things suck. We get on our knees and we thank God for what we have at the same time cry out to God for what's going on in our life that we're not stoked about. Literally, he says that the kingdom of God is being built in those moments. We set aside time to orient our attention on the loving presence of God in and out of season. We pray. What do we do? We serve one another. That's why we serve one another. We serve one another in love and good deeds. We serve one another to build one another. We serve one another because some of us, there's haves and have-nots in this room in an economic way or in a, in a practical way. We serve one another because sometimes we are down and others are up, and other times we are up and others are down, and we serve one another to build one another up, to care for one another, to support one another, so that in and out of individual season, we're being cared for and taken care of. You're embodying the presence of the living God to one another when you serve one another. What did Jesus say? Jesus taught this. He says, when you serve the least of me, these you're serving me literally as though when we are serving one another, we are embodying Christ to that person. That's what Jesus says is happening. It's a bizarre thing, but again, it's something about like the not I, but Christ in me kind of thing. So we serve one another. And we serve the least of these in our city. It's so obvious and clear that that's what the body will do. And that's what the body will look like. The church serves one another. And then we serve our city. We empower one another in spiritual gifting. For the purpose of mission and spreading the good news of the gospel, we empower one another in their spiritual gifting. We call that out one another. We identify that in one another. I don't know about you, but I'm super insecure. There's a lot of things that that I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should do that. I don't know if it's my place. I don't know if I can do that. I don't, know if I, I, I don't know if I'm good enough to do that. I don't know if I'm mature enough to do that. I don't know about you, but that's how I feel. That may shock you, but that's the truth. And I feel imposter syndrome all the time being up here on a Sunday, let alone the care that I'm giving towards people throughout a week. I'm just constantly second-guessing whether or not I'm called to this, I'm gifted for this, and I'm mature enough for it. And if that's true of me, my assumption is, I don't want to put this on you, but my assumption is, you, some of you are as insecure as me. So anybody want to be courageous and bold enough and vulnerable? Okay. You're not the, some of you need someone to call something out and you go, no, you are called to that. You are gifted in that. 
You can do that. We, need, we actually need you to do that. We need you to play that role. We need you to grow into that. We need you to, we need you to care for that person. We need you to support in that way. We, we call that out when we empower one another so that we as the body are actually caring for the body and ultimately the love of God's leaking to the community around us. We sing with one another. In and out of season, we sing together. We celebrate the blessing in the morning, the pain and the goodness, through praise and lament and corporate worship. It's to bring us together in one voice, glorifying God, regardless of our unique circumstances. And in that, we're reminded through word and song that God is God and all the glory belongs to him. And something that the church does is administer the sacraments of baptism and communion. Baptism is the place where somebody says, I'm going to follow Jesus and you guys can all know. So, you, so, so if I'm following Jesus and everything you just said there, I'm in on that. And then we all get to go, are you sure? Because that's a lot. And they go, yeah, I'm in on it. Okay. It's a public thing because we all got to go, okay, are you sure? And they go, yeah, I am. It's like, okay, well, now we get to help you become that and live into that. And we take communion together because the thing that unifies us more than anything is the bread and the cup where we get to be reminded of Jesus' death on the cross and what it meant to us, what it paid for. It's a a centralizing thing that brings us all to a place of being equal in the body. It's communion and baptism. So at Southside, and what I'm hearing from other Christian leaders around town, is that we want to continue to explore structurally, we want to continue to explore methodologically how we do these things, how we live into these things, how we become these things. But what we are uncompromising about at Southside is this is what the nature of the church is. This is the identity of the church. And, and if you want to be in on it, you believe in it, you agree. I'm a follower of Jesus. You are a part of the church. If you, if you follow Jesus, this is what it is. This is the invitation. So Southside's been up to for 44 years in the past. It's hopefully what we're going to be up to for 44 years in the future. And the invitation is for you to continue on with that with a little bit more clarity. I also want you to know that I believe, and I don't just say this because I'm supposed to, I really believe, I'm betting my life on this. I just want you to know I'm betting my life on this. I'm betting my life on this being the better way. A lot of things I could spend my time doing, just like you. A lot of things I could do on Sunday. I see my neighbor across the street. Everything looks nice over there. Oh, they have one extra day a week. That's a lot. I'm betting my life on this. Not because it's lucrative. Not because it's flashy. Not because, I mean, there's, there's no popularity contest being won yet. But I'm betting my life on that. This is just the better way. The scriptures promises that this is the way to life and life to the full. It's what Jesus says. And then we see all these examples in history of people who live really the best way. You look at the saints of the past and those who we look up to in the present, and you go, wow, like, that's a life I want. There's all this other stuff we're all chasing, we're all called to chase, invited to chase, and it doesn't seem that fulfilling, but that person seems to have something. And usually when you identify that person, you're like, oh gosh, they're actually following this Savior, this Jesus person. They're trying to live that life of... So there's life to the full there. I'm believing it, I'm trusting it. And that's the invitation, is that this not just a cost 
the promises that it's just the better life. And if you've experienced that, if you, I don't know, you should ask yourself over and over again, what the heck am I doing here on Sunday mornings and spending all this time serving and going to group and all that? Like, you should constantly ask yourself, is this, is this better or should I just go play another, you know, play in another softball league on Wednesday nights, you know, or go pursue that, second, that side hustle, you know, or, or whatever. Like, I hope you're asking yourself the question, is this better? And my hope is, uh, my hope is that you're coming to a similar conclusion that I'm coming to, which I think it is. And that we can continue to encourage one another, spur one another on, tell stories so that we're reminded that, yeah, actually, this is where life and life to the full is found. And living this way. We're made by God to live a particular way, and this is life and life to the full. It's a life that is following after the model of Jesus, the sacrifice of the self for the sake of the world on the cross. That's ultimately the life that we're invited into. And the, tr- the, the, the promise is that it actually leads to the better way anyway. So to sum it all up this morning... What is the church? The church is Christ's presence among us, and then we as Christ's presence in our community. What is the church? It's, it's the presence of God among a people, and then we as the embodied presence of God to our community. We're going to sing a song here, and then I'm going to come up. i got a few other like logistical things to tell you about and invite you into, but before we sing that song, um, I invite you to just take a moment of reflection Ask yourself the question. Ask yourself the questions. What? What do I? What am I doing here? Like, what do I? What do I? What am I? What do I want? What am I called to? What am I doing here? What? What is this? Is this just religion? Is this just like? Is this just social? Is this just? Is this just what I do? Or like, can you identify what you're looking for? I realize there's people in the room who are just here because they're friends here or spouse dragged you out. You want someone to teach your kids good values or something like that. Like, that's good. I get it. I get that. Lord, um, my ask, Lord Jesus, I'm asking you, Spirit of God, I'm asking you if you're present in this room for those who are asking the question and seeking you. My ask, Spirit of God, is to... Um, is to speak is to prompt is to nudge is to care for is to encourage is to clarify our intention our desires deep deep desires our hopes and also Lord I'm asking you in our faithfulness to following you and pursuing you regardless of where we're at in that journey the fact that we're here today says something Lord I'm asking you to Be faithful to those who have taken a step to be present today in the body and have taken a step to listen intently, taken a step to maybe mumble some words this morning. I'm asking you, Spirit of God, to bless us for the small steps of courageous faith in the direction of you this morning that we've taken. And also, Lord, clarify for us in the future who it is that we are that's clear, but you need to remind us of that over and over again through one another and what it is that you would have us do here in this town. To become that, the, that which you've called us to be and, and then to offer that to the world around us. In the name of the Savior in whom we follow, the Messiah, the King, Jesus. Amen. Amen.